you thrive, you become rich, you become a different person, you, you know, become successful in your mind first, right? Mm -hmm. Not, not in your being, but in your mind first. And so first you have to work on that part, right? How do I get to thinking about there's more out there for me, even if I haven't seen it? Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr. And I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Today on Humanize, we're sitting down with Adriana, also known as Adri Maria. She describes herself as everyday Bronx girl with a heart of gold. She's a good friend of Courtney's and has a lot of experience in working with youth. She is a social worker. She's lived all over the country. She um, believes that her path has already been created for her. She just has to keep moving forward. She has so many golden nuggets for us in this episode um, where we talk about storytelling and education and curiosity and um, growing up, how she grew up in New York and how she got to be where she is now. And and what are some good questions to start to understand your story? Um, so join us today on this, this peppy episode. Um, it was really fun to have her on. So enjoy. Yo, what's going on, Humanized family? We back at this thing one more time. And we have such an amazing guest. But I'm going to let Emily bring her in, just so she feel the fire that she has to bring to the world. But I'm going to start off with the same old tape, same old situation. I want to let you guys know that we both have, have asked permission for this relationship, for this um, conversation that we're getting ready to embark upon. So please follow that. Don't just walk to somebody and try to get to know them without actually knowing them. Um, it can be a life and death situation. So uh, as we get into these talks, don't make it light, make it a priority, and um, so that we can change the world together. Let's go, Emily. What's going on? Nice. Well, today we are so excited to be with you, Adriana. Yes. Or Adri. Either yes. of those. Yes. Adriana yes. or Adri. Okay. Cool. Um, Courtney, I'm actually going to kick it back over to you to bring her in because you all have known each other for a long time. And then I can kind of get us get us going on what we're going right, to talk all about right, today. All right, all so tell right. us some history. Man, man. I'll never forget the day I met met this woman. Powerful. I knew it was she was a problem from day one. <laughs> uh, we both were at Eagle Rock. I'm still here. Um, and she was doing an internship up here. And uh, I was just in what her living quarters were and I was helping someone another person move and she walks in and she was like yo who are you <laughs> literally <laughs> yo eight yes verbatim this random man is in my house <laughs> hey I, I I'm with it yo so um ever since then I said I don't know how either we're gonna be good friends or we're gonna hate each other because I'm the same way and I bring the same energy. So it just happened that uh, she changed my life and I had to keep the relationship going even when she left Eagle Rock. And um, we're here right now today and she's a, a brilliant um, change maker and I'm, I feel really blessed to have her in my life. Thank you. I appreciate you. So glad I met you that way. <laughs> Love it. Wish I had been a fly on the wall. Um... 
So uh, we're, I'm really excited about today because we're going to kind of explore um, something that Adriana is really seeped in that I love but don't know enough about, which is story and storytelling, because um, it's so essential. And so, um, yeah, I, I would love to, first of all, ask you, you know, how and how and why your your passion settled upon storytelling and then hear some of your story and then we'll go we'll go from there absolutely well first of all thank y'all for having me you know mm-hmm. just this energy on a friday morning is Woo-hoo. phenomenal and it's just <laughs> setting a precedence to everything i've had this week so thank you thank you thank you both i'm so excited to share myself with you all and then just be able to get to know you and tell my story. So storytelling. Who? I've been a writer mm. since I was a kid, right? I think I grew up in a single parent household where I felt like I had a lot of energy, a lot of feelings, a lot of things going on. And sometimes I needed an outlet to get it out. Mm. And so I just started writing. And like how so young you started writing? Definitely like elementary school, middle school. Mm. Um, so I started writing and I would just write free, write poetry, whatever the case is. My mom recognized that I was writing a lot and I've always been center of attention, you know, single, single parent household. You're like, I just, I need some attention here. Like I, you know, and so I would do the whole shows at Christmas and Thanksgiving. (laughs) I definitely was born to be on stage. And I started getting involved in like school plays here and there and kind of just doing what I wanted to do. My mom discovered some poetry slams in New York City that were geared towards youth. Um, Definitely Urban Word NYC was was my outlet. So I started going to shows and then started doing open mics and Urban Word NYC is for youth. Mm. And so I started doing that and then performing for school shows. And I don't know, I just felt like, everybody has a story to tell, right? Regardless of what it is. And I just started writing mine and sharing mine. And that's kind of like where my love for it started. Mm -hmm. And I think also as a kid, I moved back and forth a lot. Um, I was born in New York, raised in Mexico for a part of my time, came back to New York. And I felt like no book I read represented me and my story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. I've heard this a lot from other people who don't see themselves in books that are geared towards children. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite authors, Elizabeth Acevedo, I actually met her through Urban Word. And I see she's from East Harlem. She had that same notion of like, wait, we're not represented in our books. And she used to be a middle school teacher. And one of her students was like, I'm not represented in books. Mm. And um, Mm. so that's why she started writing, right, to represent her students for them Mm. to be able to see themselves. And that's kind of just where my love for it has has geared. (laughs) And it's just blossomed into everything. I think also when you're from countries that have very prominent indigenous populations, this art of storytelling is huge. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. it's like you're used to sitting around in a circle and people just telling stories mm-hmm. and just orally being able to say their history because they didn't have a way to like write it down. Mm-hmm. And so, again, while I may not be completely in touch with my indigenous roots of like where my father's family is from or, 
you know, mm. what they represent. I do know that's just a part. And I think it's just ingrained in my DNA. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there in the DNA that I thank you for bringing up that, you know, well, actually, I'd love to talk to you a second about that. Just not feeling represented in the, the books because, you know, the critical race theory debate is, is still hot and now getting, you know, banned in different areas. Um, here in Colorado, I was just talking to someone who's, um, who works, uh, I think mostly with high school and the schools that she goes into now, she can't say the word equity anymore, which is nuts. Um, so yeah, maybe could you, I don't know if you could bring us in with a story of like, like, so I'm someone who's very passionate about, um, I mean, CRT is a, a graduate level thing, but having people's experiences represented in the, in the books in front of them, could you, and I'm white and there was a lot of white people in the books <laughs> I read growing up. <laughs> um, I don't know if you could just kind of like open the, the door to us to like, feel like what that's like not to see that representation and then to get that representation with the author you were talking about. Like, I don't know, just talk us through that. Absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to books is I speak two languages, right? Mm -hmm. I really speak three if we talk about sarcasm, but I speak two languages. <laughs> yeah, you're from the Northeast. We, I, I have to tone it down Let's out Trilingual here. out here. <laughs> totally. But I, you know, I speak two languages. I speak English and Spanish. I grew up speaking English and Spanish in my house as well as school. Um, with my friends, like I speak Spanish to, to Doc sometimes. And he's like, I have no idea what you said to me, but sure. You know, like, I don't care who you are um, or if you speak Spanish or not, I'm going to speak Spanish. That is who I am. And I think a lot of times the books that I read were either fully in English or fully in Spanish. There was nothing that was a mix. Mm. And, you know, what does it mean to be a Latina person in the United States where you know you speak two languages, but every book you read, you have to pick which language you're reading in. Mm -hmm. You have to choose a side, it almost feels like. Every single time. And so mm -hmm. um, even when I read books by Spanish-speaking authors, again, it was either I had to pick it up in Spanish or pick it up in English. And it wasn't until the past 10 years that I started seeing Spanglish mm. in books without being translated. So a lot of times you would see like a Spanish speaking, like let's say there was a sentence in Spanish, but then the next one was it in English. It's like, no, for what? Leave it as is. Somebody needs yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just part of who we are. And so I think that um, for sure was a huge thing for me of not feeling mm -hmm. like I was seen, but then also like, I just I think a lot of people think, oh, if you grow up in a certain block or you grow up in a certain place, then your life is the same as your neighbor. And it's not mm -hmm. right. Like I grew up in a house where, mm -hmm. yes, well, an apartment. <laughs> I grew up in an apartment where outside was super loud all the time. But in my house, it was like, you need to read before that television goes on. Mm -hmm. A lot of my friends didn't have that rule. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. Or we eat dinner together every single day, whether it's just you and your brother or me at home, which is my mom. Again, I had friends who if their parents weren't home, they ate watching TV. I didn't start eating watching TV until I was an adult, probably like in college. Mm -hmm. So like there's certain things where it's like, yeah, we all live on the same block. We all live in the same building and I live in a building that's 20 floors, eight units per floor. 
none of us have the same life, even though we live on the same block. And so understanding that, like, just because you're from a certain place doesn't mean you're going to carry yourself a certain way. doesn't mean that you're going to have the same opportunities. Also, my mom ensured that I was getting a good education and she made me go to school an hour away from a house because I wasn't going to the school across the street from a house. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so at 11 years old, I'm taking the train to go to school. Right. Yeah. So like all of these stories. Right. I remember when I applied to college, my personal statement was about living in two different worlds and what that meant. Like mm-hmm. growing up where I grew up, but going to school in a predominantly white school for seven years mm-hmm. in a very mm-hmm. small school. My graduating class was one hundred and thirty two students in the biggest public school district in the country. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So where most of my friends were going to schools where they were lost in the sauce because there were four thousand, four thousand students in their building. I'm in a class where it's one hundred and thirty two of us and there's like 10 of us who aren't white. Mm-hmm. And so like all of that kind of just added to like who I was, what I was doing. I remember I read a book maybe two years ago that I actually felt seen. There was this girl who she's this. Puerto Rican girl from the Bronx and she's going to a private school. Mm. Um, so I didn't go to private school. I still went to public school, but it was like that you're somebody else in this, in this white school. And what does that look like? And what does that mean for you? And I'm 32 years old now. Yeah. So the fact that it took me until I was 30 to read a book where I was like, that was my experience. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Go ahead, y'all, 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 y'all vibing. Go ahead. I, I, I talked. She talked my ear off a lot. You can go ahead, keep it moving, or oh, I can add a question. Either way, it go. We good. Well, I, I, I just want to comment, like, because we're, we're, you know, kicking off talking about storytelling, and you're talking about how every single person has a different story, and I was just kind of going to how, how easy it is to assume similarity, you know, especially like I'm in, I'm in Boulder. Like, there's a lot of people with. similar ideology here and it kind of like numbs down curiosity you know as you as you kind of assume similarity in terms of being you know more progressive or something concerned about the climate um and I was just thinking like how like how storytelling and curiosity are like hand in hand curiosity is like such a core competence when it comes to DEI work and when it comes to intercultural work and it's something that is really hard to teach and I'm just thinking about how like how blessing like what a blessing it is to feel curious about your neighbors and then to get the story back and that how through storytelling you can then sometimes elicit curiosity and so it like sparks it's it's hard to just teach curiosity. You can't just say, be curious, you know? Um, so I just don't know. Did you, have you like, I mean, I um, feel like that depends on where you're from in New York city. You can't be curious about your neighbors. <laughs> like, you can't ask, <laughs> like you can't go around like, what you doing today? What like, what? you might be able to look out the window or look through the peephole, but don't get involved in the nonsense. Like you curiosity can only take you, but so far, um, uh-huh. And I feel like it wasn't until I left New York City and started talking to strangers that I was like, oh, people, people actually want to tell their story. Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like it also depends on on where you're from. I think my <laughs> my curiosity was definitely honed in through school, okay. um, but I couldn't just go up to my neighbor. No, not in New York. Not, not <laughs> and, New York has its own set of their, rules. Like, yeah, it's a whole another entity. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm pretty far out from New York. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Yo, nah, what's coming up for me, man? See, the thing about curiosity is kind of tied in with um, what happens in, not in, everybody's not in poverty, but how poverty and individuals who aren't um, given certain opportunities have to live a life. They have to not be as curious because we are, um, how can I say this? We are in the business of just survival. So I don't have time to explore other things when all I do is look out and see a lot of people that look like me, even though they're going through different things, we all are struggling, you know? And so everybody's upset. So if I am curious, like, hey, what, what are you doing today? Yo, yo, shut the fuck up, bro. I'm trying to get to work. You feel me? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, different, it's a different thing. You know, and also what came up for me with what you said was, like the outside and the inside didn't match. And that wasn't just you. That was me as well. You know, um, I'm, I'm like I'm Caribbean immigrants, you know, so education is the only way. But when you come up in, in certain environments, like education is not cool. That's not the move. You know, so I'm outside, Lil Courtney trying to figure, figure shit out. Then inside, hey, read a book. You know, like make sure your homework's done. And the weird shit is I liked reading a book. But I had to dumb it down to survive, like, or to be even accepted around my peers. So mm -hmm. I understood, like, you saying that you lived in two worlds even before you were living like that. That was just normal to you. And so you probably thought everybody had to do that until your friends were probably clowning you, like, oh, yeah, look at your ass going on with school over there. Because we make fun of shit that we don't know or understand. Because mm -hmm. I was doing that. Yeah. And so, like, I totally... I totally understand that. But my question is like, with storytelling, it seems to me it's it's your way of searching for freedom through a story. Because I think it's a creative way of seeing what's not there or creating um, a reality that may not exist for you. Or, you know, and so like, if even someone else's story is not your story, so there, that's not your reality. So hearing someone else's story or teaching someone how to tell their story is is kind of creating a freedom-like situation for yourself. And so y'all both are coexisting in the journey towards freedom by you teaching them to tell a story and them telling you their story. Because like, don't nobody care about you. Like you said, you in New York. My story is my story. Yours is yours. Mind your business. And let's keep it pushing. You know? And so like, I, I think that's really um, um, dope about what you're doing. Um, Thank you. I, I, wow. I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm in all of you, AJ. You know that. You know what I mean? I always appreciate you. I always come back and say, hey, can you help me with this? <laughs> As you know, I'm slow in a lot of answers. <laughs> but so, you're not. You're not slow. Stop <laughs> it. You're brilliant. No, I nah, guess. Nah, don't we, do we, that. You know what it is? You know what it is? I tell people all the time, we were all born with a gift, right? Whether you believe in like a higher being or universal intelligence, like we all were born with a gift and a talent. Some of us haven't discovered it yet. Some of us yeah. have been stifled into using it, but yeah. we all have something that we're good at. And I think part Appreciate of it you. is understanding like what we're good at, but also how it brings the good at in other people and how do we yeah. build spaces for those people to discover what they're good at. And doc, like as you were talking, 
it just kind of like reminded me of when talking about survival, right? And like, what does it mean to be in survival mode instead of like thriving mode? And mm-hmm. it just got me thinking of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. If I'm hungry, if I'm looking for shelter, mm-hmm. like I can't think about anything else, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I've been in educational settings where I had students that were hungry. Of course, you're not going to concentrate on school, right? Or I had students who didn't have a computer who didn't have a home who are like, I can't do my homework. Like, you know, it, and so it, again, it's like, how do we ensure that people first have their basic needs met in order to then thrive and survive? Uh-huh. Right. Like I, I had a home, right. Mm-hmm. I had one computer in my house, but I had a computer in my house while mm-hmm. we were sharing it. Yeah. It was still something that I had. And my mama used to always say it got to a point where she was like, I got two computers in the home, but no car. So, you know, and it was just kind of like what her priorities were for us to be able to have access to certain things. And so again, like if your basic needs are met, then you think you can think a little bit more about what else is out there for me. Right. And I think imagining what could be different can sometimes stifle what you're actually doing in the moment in order to survive because now you're living in this like ideation of but this is where I'm trying to get to instead of this is where I'm at right now that right? is it. and I and I and I think uh-huh. there are some people who are able to say you know what I don't really care where I'm at right now that's where I'm going so that's where I'm focusing mm-hmm. especially when they say like you thrive, you become rich, you become a different person, you, you know, become successful in your mind first, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not in your being, but in your mind first. And so first you have to work on that part, right? Yeah. How do I get to thinking about there's more out there for me, even if I haven't seen it. And that's yeah. the thing, like, um, I had somebody in my life who, was very much connected to gangs who went to jail, who literally looked at me and said, you're leaving the Bronx. Mm. I don't know how, I don't know when, but you're leaving the Bronx and you're go- you're going to do so much more. But again, I grew up on a block where the success was the fancy car, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. the success was you having money, regardless of how you got it. Mm-hmm. And but I went to a school where people I went to school with, their parents had businesses, their parents were doctors, their parents mm-hmm. were lawyers. A lot of people I went to school with had grandparents who had houses in the Hamptons. Yeah. So yeah. I got to see that there is something else out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That success doesn't have to be the fancy car or the fast money. But I just didn't know how to get there. Yeah. I didn't know what it yeah. meant. And so. I think all of that added into, for me, it wasn't this dream of this isn't possible. It's I've seen it. I've seen people do it. And then I paid for grad school by babysitting. And I babysat for a family whose three bedroom apartment in New York City cost more than what I was making. Right. And And it was like, how do you get there? What does that look like where every single one of your kids has their own bedroom, has their own bathroom in New York City? And I grew up in a one bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. 
So I think I had the opportunity of seeing other things. And sometimes I would go home and tell people I grew up with like, yo, this, this, this. And they're like, that's, that's TV, Adriana. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's not real. Like, that's not real. And I'm like, no, it is real. It's just not real to us because we haven't seen it. You see, wow. See, the thing about like, you brought up something crazy because I yell this from every mountain, you know, like once you're not distracted by poverty and, and, and bills and all you're in a place to get creative. And you can also, if you have children, show them a life that even before they can see, they can see, you know what I mean? Like that's power. That's a different type of power. You know what I mean? So if you break a generational curse or generational chains, of I have to worry about how much how I pay rent, how I'm gonna eat. I don't even know how to get to work. I don't even know if my car gonna start. You now you live in New York. Now it's fucking snowing. You can't even go outside and start your car. Like and you have to worry about crime. But if you live in a place where all of those distractions are lifted and all you gotta worry about is not even worry. You know what? What stock am I gonna invest in? Or what? How how am I placing money in my my kids' trust so they can either go to college or start their own business? That's a different type of 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 of, of world to live in, you know. And so it's like you, an overflow. Oh my god! Oh, that's that's different. And and unless I'm in that position for um, my son or kids that I may may or may not um, be in their lives, like I don't know what I would have done. I'm not. I would have never been successful. You know, and so like I have to live a life where I can not be distracted because of education, not degrees, but because of education. You know what I mean? Like, Edgy, so the question I have for you was, what role does education have in creating change? Are we talking about education in the classroom or the education <laughs> outside the classroom, right? Let's because take it where it's going to go. Because I feel like most of what I've learned about life was not in a classroom, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't mean I didn't learn it at school. Could have been in the hallway, could have been in yeah. my interactions with people, um, could have been just folks that I talked to in the office. Again, school did play a huge part in my life, but it was also who looked out for me in school. Again, I spent mm-hmm. seven years in a building. And again, let's take this back to my school building in New York City had two high schools in one building and they were completely different, right? One, which was mine, was predominantly white and you needed to test into it. They were both public. The other one was mostly black and brown and both schools, same building, completely different budgets, completely different administration. The only thing we shared was a sports team. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Oh, that's a lot. That is where I spent seven years. Now, that's one building. Right up on the other side of that was another school. Again, another public school in New York City, which was predominantly black and brown. All three schools were allowed to go outside for lunch. Mm. How many times did I get taken back to the wrong school by cops who stopped me? Why am I outside? Oh my god. <laughs> We're going to leave it at that. Right. So, again, a lot of what I learned about life, about how to carry yourself, about what to say, about what to do, didn't come from a classroom because I had teachers who told me they knew me better than I knew myself because they worked in certain places. Or I had teachers who 
told me only to apply to certain colleges. Mm -hmm. I had teachers who asked me if I understood readings when I was getting perfect scores on my reading tests or my like state (laughs) exams. And so for me, education was whatever versus again, my mom, very educated, loves to read, made sure we read. She made sure we were also educated at home. Again, I lived in Mexico for part of my life. When I when we left Mexico, she was still making sure we learned our history. Mm-hmm. So we were taking U.S. history, but then at home, we had extra homework. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, again, I think, like, what does education do for you? And, like, how how does it what was the question, Doc, overall? It was like the Pretty exact much wording? the role that education plays in creating change. Right. So one is understanding what education actually is, right? Some of the smartest people I know have don't have degrees, don't have a paper that say they've been educated, mm-hmm. um, but they are educated in so many which ways. And so I think that one, the classes I thrived in were the classes that allowed me to be me, to think outside the box. The same way that my mom used to always say, teachers that love you are teachers who love to teach. Mm. teachers that don't love you are teachers who just want you to regurgitate what they're teaching you. I Mm. have always been that student. Hey, that doesn't make sense. Can we repeat that? I'm sorry. That's not what I learned. Right. Perfect example. Columbus Day. I think I was in fifth grade. We had Columbus Day off. Um, And we came back, we had to write these essays of why Columbus was so great. I went (laughs) home and told my mother this, and she was like, absolutely not. Oh, (laughs) absolutely not. Like, we're going to fix this because Columbus, first of all, Columbus didn't even come to the United States. So I don't know who told you that. (laughs) Like, and again, like, what does it mean to actually teach people, but also allow them to think outside the box, to question, to teach people how to think versus to teach people what to think. And I think the more that we teach people how to think, the more change you're going to see. But who, again, we have to go back to who's creating these curriculums, who benefits from us not being able to think outside the box and just saying like, yeah, this is how it is. And this is what I've learned. Oh, see, this is, this is what I'm talking about. AGL, that bullshit. Why, you're going to get us messed up or humanized. Okay, go ahead, Emily. <laughs> I, I, can, I can talk for you. Go ahead, Emily. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I'm, cu- I'm curious, like, how, you know, a couple minutes ago, you were talking about uh, success and being able to, like, kind of have... Your, oh, crap. Sorry. <laughs> your mind expanded. Um to different possibilities by being in different schools. And now as an adult, how, how do you define success now? Oh, finding myself at peace. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's a new success. Not having to think twice about where is my next paycheck coming from. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in that place. Right. Like I, with all the skills that I have, with all the experience that I have, Um, And I am not always humble. I am a brilliant human being who honestly does not get paid what she is worth. (laughs) I don't. I do not get paid what I am worth. I live in Los Angeles and I 
live paycheck to paycheck, which is why I always have to find other outlets. And so mm-hmm. I'm in survival mode, but I'm not in survival mode in the way that my mom was when she was a single uh-huh. parent with kids and had less money than what I make now. Uh-huh. Right. And uh-huh. so at the same time, like for me, success is not having to think twice about that and being able to just thrive in what I want to thrive in versus I got to go do this job because I got these bills to pay, but mm-hmm. this isn't what I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, I know that I've made it when I can say, it's okay if I don't work today mm-hmm. because I'm going to be okay. Cause I get to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Prioritizing rest. <laughs> The revel, wow. the ultimate revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know nothing about that shit. Okay. Um, and I'm so, in New York, and I'm like, rest. What's rest? Exactly. Does it feel right? It don't feel right, man. Hey, I first, I'm, I want to be one of the first people to say, welcome to the world of entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know what you are embarking on right now. I want to know how you feel about it. What's going on? Let's put your name out there so the world can um, know who who this brilliant artist is. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I've always been an entrepreneur since I was a teenager. I remember my my school (laughs) used to have these field days where for one whole day we would be at Central Park and we weren't allowed to leave the area we were in. But everything that was sold in Central Park was really expensive. So I started taking my mom's shopping cart. (laughs) And we'd have sodas and water and watermelon. You saw the opportunity. I saw the opportunity and I would big ball shot call out here in Central Park. (laughs) You know, everybody's like, Adrian got it. (laughs) Go get, you know, and I would charge a dollar. Um, That's dope. dope. And so that's kind of like where it started. And then again, I went to school with really rich people who would pay me for the smallest things. (laughs) Um, And so that's kind of just where it started. I cleaned out lockers. I took notes. I sent homework. Like people would literally pay me. And my mother was like, where'd you get this money? I'm like, like I was in high school, I probably was making like $200 a week on on stupid things because people would give me $5 here, $10 here. And it was, I probably could have made more to be honest if I had been smart (laughs) about it. Cleaning out lockers. Cleaning out lockers because people didn't want to clean out their lockers and wanted it organized. Yep. Yeah, that's oh. dope. Hey. And I was I I had the opportunity, so I would take it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for a really long time, and then I started tutoring and babysitting when I was in college. And so tutored, babysat again. This idea of like this is my money and I, it's my schedule. I could say yes, I could say no. It was really really appealing to me. But I didn't know anything besides a nine to five job. There's nobody in my family who's an entrepreneur who has their own business. I don't know what that looks like, right? Um, and so it was like, well, you gotta go get a job. You gotta go this nine to five route. Mm-hmm. And I have quit so many jobs for so many <laughs> reasons. Like if it doesn't serve me to the point where I was like, I don't want to work for anybody. I why am I building your dream instead of my dream? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. Like, why am I making you money when you don't pay me enough to make my money? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I've been doing a lot of consulting work with people of whether it was from professional development to their program planning to their project management. And I said, you know what, let's make it official. So I made it official. It's now Adri Maria Consulting 
Zag is already like, yo, give me a raise, you know. That's no. awesome. Because again, he knows what I can do. He knows what I'm capable of, which I appreciate. Um, and so what I'm trying to do, not what I'm trying to do, what I am doing. There you thank go. Thank you. Thank right? you. Thank what you. I am doing. I gotta, <laughs> words matter, y'all. Um, they do. What, what I am doing is, one, telling my story, helping other people tell their story. Right. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. like, who are you? Where are you from? It doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done. I think that a lot of times people think that the only stories worth telling are one success stories mm-hmm. or two, like if you've changed the world. But the thing is, to one person, you might be the world and you may have changed their world. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. you could walk around and say hi to a stranger and that may be the first hi they've gotten in years. Mm-hmm. Right. Or the first smile they've seen. And you may have just changed their entire lives. I'm not saying you saved them. I'm not saying they're all of a sudden different because of you, but you've made an impact with every single person that you've met. And I believe in divine intervention. So I believe that every single person I've ever interacted with, whether it's five seconds or five years, there was a reason that we were in each other's lives. And so, you know, what I'm doing is once telling my story. So people understand, like, tell your story. Am I successful? Not yet, because, you know, what I just told you is success for me is being at peace. I'm not at peace yet. There's still so Mm. much to do. Mm. I'm not in a place where I don't work. Right. (laughs) And still am able to pay bills. And so what does that look like? I've also quit jobs. Like I ended up in L.A. because I was working at the Manhattan DA's office, quit my job, packed up my car, drove across country. I didn't have a job. I didn't have housing. I was like, it's me, Jesus, and my car. Let's figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? (laughs) What does that mean? And so again, you can do these things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Doesn't matter what your story was prior. Doesn't Mm -hmm. even matter where you're at in this very moment because my life can change in 10 minutes. I could walk outside and meet somebody and that person may give me an opportunity of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Like you are one handshake away from changing your life. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's my model, right? Mm-hmm. And so talk about it. I don't I don't know where my life is going, but I do know like let's tell our stories because the more that we tell our stories, the more people are willing to tell their stories. And how do we get to know each other? By telling our stories, by asking questions, by <laughs> listening. Right. So that's number one. But also number two is I tell people all the time, I want to be the adult that I needed when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And again, by the time I left the, you know, college and started working, I was in a whole different ballgame than my mom, because by that time, my mom was married with a kid on the way. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. Neither do I want to know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it was a whole different responsibility. Yeah. And so what does it mean to be the adult that somebody else needed? Right. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to teach our community that there is more out there? Part Mm -hmm. of it is you having to search for it and you taking the initiative and you having the ambition. But also part of it is a lot of people opened the doors for me. A lot Mm -hmm. of people supported me. It is my job to either leave you the key to that door or to hold that door open for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But when you... um. When you kind of work with people on telling their story, and I'm sure you come across people who are like, oh, well, I don't have any story. I don't have anything interesting. Like, where do you where do you start with people? 
how do you kind of draw it out of them? Yeah, I tell them, what's the last thing you accomplished? Mm. And, and I leave it open. Mm-hmm. What's the last thing you accomplished? Sometimes somebody says, I woke up this morning and got out of bed. Cool, let's <laughs> talk about that. Uh-huh. Let's talk about it. Why was it hard for you to get out of bed? And then uh-huh. it starts to make you think about what you're going through yeah. mentally. And what you're going through mentally is affected by what you're going through physically and where you're at in life. Okay, let's talk about it. Again, I guess I didn't mm-hmm. talk about this, but my degrees say I'm a social worker, right? Mm-hmm. So I do, I do in many ways understand some questions to ask, right? Uh-huh. Or or how to elicit certain conversations or how to understand what our life circumstances mean um, mm-hmm. and how they affect us. And so for me, the first question is always, what was the last thing you accomplished? Um Mm-hmm. Or that you're proud of, mm-hmm. right? And I like to start with success because I mm-hmm. think that it's really easy for us to think about the negative, the things that we have failed at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of people don't understand that or don't see failure as a good thing. For mm-hmm. me, if you failed at something, it means that you tried something. <laughs> if you've never failed at anything, you've never tried anything outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you have to fail in order to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. I love sports. How many people strike out? How many people don't make their their shots? Like how many people fumble, but they still play the game? Mm-hmm. They still keep going, right? And anybody who has some sort of record when it comes to sports has actually failed more times than they've succeeded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that, right? Like, again, let's let's talk about it. Um, or I just ask somebody to tell me a funny story, right? Yeah. And then it, it gets them thinking about usually when something is funny for them, it involves somebody else. So now we can talk about the relationships in your life. Oh, yeah. It means what to you? Nice. Uh-huh. What does that look like? Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, thinking outside the box, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. funny, just even thinking of that concept of like funny things usually involve someone else. Like yeah. you're not often like up on a cliff alone. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you if you are, you go tell someone. Right. Yeah. It's not funny until you tell somebody exactly. you're not on the cliff anymore. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm curious for both of you, just as we like come to the end of the, the time, like what, so what's the last thing you've accomplished? Adriana. Well, if we're talking about the very, very last thing I've accomplished is honestly being on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, let's be real. I, <laughs> um, you know, I I prayed to God to give me spaces to tell my story. Uh-huh. And part of it was me taking the initiative of asking Doc, like, hey, let's do this. Like, yeah. um, is there space, you know, within y'all show to to just tell my story? Mm. Again, I live by a model. If you don't ask, the, the answer is no, right? <laughs> Doc could have said yes. He could have said no. Mm-hmm. Scott, I had to ask, right? So I would say that's the last thing I accomplished. Um, that's awesome. So thank y'all. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't ask, the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Um, Court, how about you? I mean, I'll be honest. The, the last thing I accomplished was being right. I told you she was brilliant. I, oh, you know, I, I love her. <laughs> oh, oh, real humble, real humble. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you and I, this is one and the same. We're like humble. What's your humble? Why? I ain't got no uh uh-uh. uh. No, yo, like, Adrian, here. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing you speak, and it's the, the shit that we about to do together 
is like, damn, I hate, I like, I love being right, but right for the right reasons in a way, like I am not humble because I don't feel the need to be when we're trying to fight this war of like, and dismantling this system of white supremacy. I'm not going to be humble about that. Mm-hmm. You the know? world humbles us enough. It is what it what? is. What? The world humbles us enough. Yeah. The world will mm-hmm. silence us. Yes. So much that there's no reason for us to silence ourselves. I can't mm-hmm. be. You see, the whole thing about a loud woman of color, you know, why, when you understand the trauma that women had to go through, now it's not that they're loud, it's that they're, they've never been heard. So if someone was deaf and all of a sudden you allowed them, you, you made them audible, like they can hear, oh my God, everything is loud. Hmm. A whisper is loud to a person that just learned how to hear. So now you got a woman who is on the mountaintop just talking like this. Man. Yo, she's loud because now you're listening to her and you people don't want to. And so I appreciate, I find my superpower and greatness in making sure that everyone in my circle is great. And I can't be humble for that. If I tap you, yo, what are we doing, bro? Like, you're great. Let's Let's move. And so I'm not going to go, excuse me, pardon me, uh, I was wondering, uh, nah, the fuck we talking about? We trying, to, we trying to win a war right now. I don't need someone in the circle who is second guessing their greatness or I'm sorry, I, I have no use for that. I have no time to babysit. I'm not trying to raise warriors. If I have a daughter, I will raise her and I will take my time and be trying my best to be patient. But if we're equals, let's move. When I'm fucking up, cuss me out. I don't need, like, yo, bro, you, you, what the hell are you doing? All right, let's move. You right. And I come at you. I see your greatness. We're around the table to be great. And so I, I'm just, I'm loving um, the world that, that I'm getting, that the, the world that I'm entering right now with brilliant people who can challenge me in so many aspects of my life. You know, and that's what I really appreciate. And so all jokes aside, what I have, um, the most recent thing I've accomplished, which I think is one of the most important things, is really pushing the envelope of, how can I say this? Making, ensuring a life where all I do is work towards liberation. Mm. I want to wake up every single day and do nothing but inspire. If I do that, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Mm. You know, and so like just being on there on here on Humanize with two brilliant women, that speaks volumes for the type of man that I was and where I'm trying to go. A place mm. where women were just there in the background doing their thing, who cares? To leaders. Um, mm. like talking to have a conversation with brilliant minds um, on this platform is, is to me is phenomenal and um, a part of creating change and one of which I love. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that. I love that. Doc, dog, you gotta let them know when, where they're gonna see us together next. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. So, Adrian and I. Mainly Adri, let's be real. You know, I don't hold no punches. Like, wrote up a proposal, and she was like, yo, you want to do this POC thing? I said, I don't think I'm going to get it, but throw the shit up out there. They had the audacity to reply back, you in. I said, oh, they don't know what they did. So the title of our of talk will be Radical Imagination, Fostering Creativity. Fostering? 
our students' creativity to become change makers. Awesome. And where are you going to present that at? It's San, it's San Antonio at um, the POC conference. It's the NAIS um, a symposium for a lot of POC educators around the country. And so yeah. we'll we'll be one of them um, offering up some genius and see where it goes, you know, because awesome. who's never in, whoever is not in that room just missed brilliance. That's all I'm saying. So. Right. No, I'm, <laughs> yo, I'm so excited. Emily, I will have to say, though, Doc was like, yeah, if we get it. And I was like, Doc, when we get it. Because I know what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm not humble. Like yeah. if they don't pick me, that's that's because they're stupid. Um, no, I literally was like, when when we get it. And so when he got the email that we got it, he was like, oh shit, Adrian, you did that. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. What you talking about? Yeah, I can only imagine how it plays out. That's gonna be awesome. Oh, you I gonna see? I I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. I'm gonna see it. Oh uh, well, thank you so much for joining Wait, us. Wait, no, what have you accomplished? You, you oh the question? <laughs> yeah, don't try to. I'm glad you said it. I was just about to stop it. <laughs> you gotta stop it. Stop that closing. What have I accomplished? Um, Last thing. You know. Okay, this is what I've accomplished. So, like I mentioned before, we started record. I have two little kids, and the four-year-old, you know, has just been sick since the beginning of the school year. Since masks came off, basically, just like so many everything, every sort of virus, and so that means that I've been sick a lot too. Yeah. Um, and a few days ago, I started to feel a little sick, and. It was one of those, like, it wasn't anything dramatic, you know, did the COVID test is negative. And um, the accomplishment was that I was like, I just, I listened to my body and I was like, you know what I need? I need, I need to lie down. I need to lie down and rest and maybe watch a show and ask for some additional support from my husband to rest. And um, that's what I needed. And I feel better. And it wasn't, I wasn't getting sick. I think it was just run down. And I, I had to, the accomplishment was in the self-talk part of like, yeah. you have to keep going. You have to keep the bar high. You have to do all this and, and you know, run your own business. <laughs> do all, you know, keep going, keep going and make sure your kids' lives are amazing and go to that birthday party. And like, it's like, it's hard. It's hard for me to just be like, no, I need to lie down. Yeah. And I've, I feel like through the years, I've gotten a little bit better at it and, um, better at silencing the rational, like the the part of me that's like, oh, listen to all these arguments of why you shouldn't lie down. Um, so that's my accomplishment. I love that. Because you can't <laughs> give from an empty cup. So no. you got to refill, you got to rest, and then get back out there. I love totally. it. Totally. All right. Awesome. Uh, now, now we can wrap it up. <laughs> now we can wrap it up. With that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you what a beautiful way to start the day um really appreciate it and yeah we'll put links to your work and your linkedin and um your instagram handle that has some beautiful quotes and and writing on it um in the show notes so people can get connected with you yes yes awesome thank, thank you. you thank y'all for having me i really love this it's a beautiful friday morning i'm excited for the rest of the day Awesome. In the old words of DJ Khaled, <laughs> I love you. Humanized, we love you. <laughs>
Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love. 